This we pray that you'd use your word to help us be like you and to serve others just as you did. We pray this in your name. Amen. The writer Tom Toole tells a supposedly true story about a florist who got two orders mixed up on a, on a busy day. There was a new business that was opening and there was a family that was having a funeral and the bouquets got swapped. The business guy came in the next day just really angry because the bouquet that was delivered to his business said, rest in peace. <laughs> Flora said, you think that's bad? The people who had the funeral, their bouquet said, good luck in your new location. <laughs> Last week, Scott Mann sort of made fun of me for starting my sermons with stories that I think are funny. I thought that was funny. We're doing a sermon series on the life of Joseph and what that shows us about being a difference maker, which is, I think, something we all want to be. We all want to count for something. We all want to leave something behind that lasts longer than our funeral flowers do. And so far, we've seen that difference makers have a vision for their life and that they practice faithfulness. And in the story that we read today, we see a third characteristic of difference makers. And that is, they serve. That seems like an appropriate topic to talk about on Mother's Day since mothers are so good at serving their families and their children. In this story, Joseph serves. But what's interesting about Joseph's service in this story is that he doesn't serve when his life is just going perfectly and so he's just got all kinds of stuff he can give away. Actually, Joseph serves in the middle of some of the most awful circumstances. Let's review. His brothers tried to kill him. Then they sold him into slavery, where he worked for a man named Potiphar. And just when he's advancing his career, Potiphar's wife falsely accuses Joseph of rape and has him thrown in prison. And back then, prison was pretty grim. They didn't even feed you. You wouldn't get any food unless you had friends and family who could bring it to you. So basically, Joseph has been thrown there to die. Not exactly the career path Joseph would have hoped for. But in the middle of all of this misery, Joseph gets out of himself and he serves other people. And when he does, he experiences three blessings that God promises. And the first is this. When we serve others, it moves us from misery to meaning. In this story, the king's cupbearer and baker are also in prison with Joseph. And they both have dreams that disturb them. So Joseph says to him, well, why do you look so sad? Now, what's amazing about that question is here Joseph is in prison for a crime he didn't commit, but when he could have been angry or when he could have complained, instead he serves. That's amazing. And at this point, Joseph easily could have won the whose life is worse game. Ever play that? Married couples love to play that game. Right, see if this sounds familiar at all. One spouse says, I'm stuck here at home with these kids and they're driving me crazy while you're out in the world having fun. And the other spouse says, oh, yeah, well, I have to work for a living, and there's a lot of pressure, and that's not always fun, you know. Right? Sound familiar? I mean, not, not that I would know that from firsthand experience, but I'm a pastor, so I've seen you all do that, right? <laughs> Married couples love the, that game. Joseph easily could have won the whose life is worse game. Easily could have said to his jailmates, oh, yeah, you think you got problems. Check it out. 
First my brothers tried to kill me. Then they sold me into slavery. Then my boss's wife sexually harassed me, accused me of rape, and threw me into prison. And what was your problem again? Oh yeah, you had a bad dream. That's what I would have said. But instead, in the middle of his misery, he notices their pain. He notices their problems. And he serves them by interpreting their dreams. First, he interprets the cupbearer's dream. He says, cupbearer, your dream means that Pharaoh is going to let you out of prison in three days and you're going to get your old job back. Congratulations. Well, that sounded pretty good to the baker. So the baker asked Joseph to interpret his dream, too. We didn't read that part, but what Joseph says is, ooh, baker, your dream means that Pharaoh's going to cut off your head and feed your body to the birds. The baker says, that's the last time I tell you one of my dreams. <laughs> Point is, in their misery, Joseph notices In his misery, Joseph notices their pain. He steps out of himself to serve someone else. And the result is he moves from misery to meaning. Even though he's in prison, his life still has meaning. He's using his gifts. He's honing his skill of dream interpretation, which in the next chapter is going to save thousands of people from starvation. And he's noticing someone else. Even in the middle of prison, he is still a difference maker. Which brings him to a second blessing. And that is when we serve, we move from feeling jaded to joyful. Often it is through service that God will heal us of our own hurts. You heard some of that in the video you just saw. Because it gets us out of our own problems and into someone else's life. The psychiatrist Carl Menninger was once asked what he would advise a person on the verge of a nervous breakdown. And instead of recommending that they go see a psychiatrist, he said, well, find someone who has a need and then do something for that person. Because he knew that people who serve are rarely depressed. Actually, that's that's true. I remember once during a stressful period in my life, I was kind of depressed, and a friend of mine asked me, how are you doing? And I said, well, pretty good under the circumstances. And his response was, well, what are you doing under there? (laughs) Get out. Go do something for someone else. You'll feel better. Now, I want to be careful because what I am not saying, I'm not saying if you're suffering right now, if you're depressed, if you're having a hard time, I'm not saying, oh, come on, just buck up, little buckaroo. Sun will come out tomorrow. It's going to be okay. No. Pain and grief are real. And if you're going through a hard time right now, you need a community around you to support you and to love you. And if you don't have that, please talk to one of the pastors, one of the deacons in our church. We'd love to help. But all of us, from time to time, need to step out of ourselves to serve in order to be whole. The other thing I'm not saying is that you have to be depressed and miserable to serve. Obviously, you can be happy and serve. But even when things are going well, sometimes I think we're missing out on an even deeper joy if we're not serving. I heard a story about a man who was going through a bit of a rough patch in his life, and so he decided to serve by helping Alzheimer's patients. So he went to the facility where they lived, but it was kind of a, a, a hard day for him. I mean, there were, you know, bad, a lot of blank stares, bad smells, all kinds of stuff. Well, that night he went to an Italian restaurant to debrief with some of, some of his family members about his experience. But there was an accordion player in the restaurant, and it was so loud that he couldn't talk to his family. So he pulled the accordion player aside and said, told him what was going on. 
Well, long story short, the accordion player got so interested in these Alzheimer's patients that he decided to show up at the facility and play music for them on his accordion. Played music from the 20s, the 30s, the 40s. Some of them remembered, some of them sang along. Everyone had a good time. And for this depressed man, it gave him joy, got him out of his depression. Because he saw God use him to provide accordion music to some Alzheimer's patients, which they seemed to like. Because God works in mysterious ways. I don't know, maybe we should start an accordion ministry here in 80 years or so. When we serve, whether it's outside the church with a neighbor, co-worker, friend, or inside the church, the service so many of you do inside this church, deacons, Sunday school teachers, choir members, that's so important. They're both important, inside and outside. Or when we simply pray for someone, when we serve, we move from misery to meaning, from feeling jaded to joyful. And finally, when we serve, we move from being deflated to being dreamers. In the next chapter of Genesis, God gives Pharaoh a dream, and which reminds the cupbearer of Joseph and Joseph's gift of dream interpretation. So the cupbearer gets Joseph out of jail. Joseph interprets the Pharaoh's dream, leads to saving thousands of lives from starvation, including Joseph's family, which go on to become the nation of Israel, out of which comes Jesus. In other words, Joseph's little act of service in this story, in jail, in the middle of his misery, leads to him becoming part of God's redemptive plan for all of human history. Joseph moved from being dejected and deflated and depressed to being a part of God's dream for the future. When I was in Rwanda, I met a man named Joseph, and he's actually going to be here this week speaking at the Rwanda Partner events, uh, event on Thursday. I'd encourage you to hear him. He's got a great story. Joseph serves Rwandans through a ministry he calls Standing in the Gap. Because of the genocide in 1994, one of the biggest needs in Rwanda is for reconciliation. But sometimes that's, that's not possible because the perpetrator is either dead or in prison or is unrepentant. So Joseph does what he calls Standing in the Gap. So as a Hutu, for instance, the, the tribe that committed the genocide, Joseph stands in the gap and confesses the sins of his people, asking forgiveness of the victim. Or as a man, he stands in the gap and confesses the sins of men toward young girls trapped in prostitution and asks their forgiveness for the ways that men have treated them. He even has stood in front of Americans before and confessed the sins of Africans who have sometimes used us for monetary gain or who have harbored resentment against us. And as a result, Joseph has helped heal countless victims who needed to forgive their perpetrators, countless young girls trapped in prostitution. By serving, Joseph moves from the despair and discouragement of genocide and exploitation to being part of God's dream for a better Rwanda. There's an old parable about a carrot, an egg, and coffee beans. If you throw all three into separate pots of boiling water, the carrot will get all mushy and soft inside. The egg will get hardened on the inside. But the coffee beans will change the water around them. They'll turn it into something that gives energy and joy. I mean, at least coffee gives me joy. You see, when we look at the problems in our life or in our world, we can be a carrot and get all soft and mushy. Or we can be an egg and get all hardened on the inside. Or we can be coffee beans and change the environment around us through how we serve. 
And you know what I just love about this church? It's full of beans. <laughs> Y'all are coffee beans. And one of the things I just love about you is the ways that you, you've heard it in the testimonies, you saw it in the video, changing the environment around us by how you serve. You guys do this so great. You are awesome. How do you feel when you see that video about all the ways God's making a difference through the ripple effect? By building the facility here where our children and youth can learn about Jesus, by starting the Jubilee Reef Center where families in poverty are getting a helping hand, and by building the Street Kids Center in Rwanda and helping kids in Sudan, which means hundreds of kids a year literally will not die because of you who are given to the ripple effect. When they showed me that video earlier this week, it took me about five minutes to regain my composure. I, I kept tearing up. I don't know, maybe it's because I'm a carrot and getting all mushy on the inside, but it's just, I just found it so moving. And I kept thinking, how lucky am I that I get to be a part of this? How lucky am I that I get to look at that and go, wow, I am, I'm a part of that? And how lucky am I to get to be part of this church? So many faithful people making it happen and what God is doing through us. Next week, we'll be celebrating the year anniversary of the ripple effect. And if you're not given, I'd encourage you to start giving next week. Yes, we exceeded the goal, but there's still a need. Excess money will be distributed across all three circles, which means we can do more in Africa, more at the Jubilee Reach Center, and build as much space as possible for our children and youth and take out less debt. There's still a need. But more importantly, if you're not given, I want you to be able to watch that video and go, I'm a part of that. I'm a part of that. Another way we've made a difference, and you heard it again today, is through the summer service day. In the last couple of months, we've had two principals come to us and say, you know, because of what you guys did, teachers in my school are starting to go back to church, or I'm starting to go back to church to find out about Jesus because of the way you served. I love that. In a world where the image of Jesus is sort of mean, nasty, judgmental, y'all are changing that by how you serve. You have made that happen. And as you know, this year we're partnering with a lot of different churches so that Jesus gets the credit, not, not, not us. So if you haven't already, please, before you leave, before you go to Mother's Day brunch, sign up for August 18th. You can do it online or in the narthex. still need about 400 people. And we need to get a count so we can plan. But again, more than that, please sign up so you can know the fun of being part of what God, God is doing. It's interesting to me in the Joseph story that the most frequent phrase that is repeated over and over again is, God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. Really? Not so much evidence of that, right? Attempted fratricide, sold into slavery, thrown into prison. You wouldn't necessarily associate that with God being with Joseph. But in this story, there is one place, the story we read today, one place where God shows up very clearly. And it's when Joseph serves. Joseph says very clearly, only God can interpret dreams. But then Joseph goes on to interpret dreams. In other words, it's not Joseph that's doing it. It's God that is doing it. God that's showing up, working through Joseph, doing amazing things. And because of that, Joseph experiences God. Just like if our service makes a difference, it's God that does it. And we get to be a part of it, and because of that, see God. And that's the goal. That all of our service points to Jesus, who is the ultimate servant, willing to die for us so that we could be reconciled to him. And when we serve in his name, his Holy Spirit will move us from misery to meaning, feeling jaded to joyful, feeling deflated to being a part of God's dream for a better future. As I keep saying, service is not an obligation, it is an invitation.
to experience God. This fall, one of our members was at her daughter's school, and she overheard some cheering in the teacher's lounge. So she went in to see what all the cheering was about, and teachers were jumping up and down, and and they said, we just found out we're going to be a jubilee school this summer. The Presbyterians are coming. (laughs) Sort of Paul Revere-like, right? think they meant it as a good thing, though. And then they said, hey, don't you go to that church? And instead of wanting to dock and hide in embarrassment for being a Christian, she said, yeah, I do go to that church. I think it's just a hoot to be part of what God's doing in this community, through us and other churches. In the Monterey Bay Aquarium in California, there's this gigantic clear column filled with, uh, filled with water. And inside are hundreds of sardines, all swimming sort of mindlessly in the same direction, around and around and around. That's life. Right? We're all just going around and around and around without any seeming purpose. Sardines. Kind of depressing, huh? Could be worse. It could be a salmon. Mate once and die. What a bummer that is. But it also can get a lot better. Because if you watch that tank long enough, every once in a while, one of those sardines turns around and starts swimming the other direction. And then another follows, and then another, and pretty soon the whole school flips and starts swimming the other way. I think that's what we can do with our culture. All of us are just swimming around in one direction. Why? Who knows? Because everyone else is. Why not? All of us just following the culture, living as if the purpose in life was to acquire more stuff or get thinner or richer or more successful so people will respect us or anesthetize our pain or our loneliness or just sheer boredom with shopping or entertainment or yet one more vacation. But if one person or one church or a group of churches flip and go the other way, counter to culture, counter to its values, as if the purpose of life was to have closeness with God and find healing for our brokenness, As if the purpose in life was authentic friendships where we were fully known and fully loved and respected. As if the point in life was to partner with God in the grand adventure of redeeming this world. If just some of us do that, well then maybe we can turn the whole culture around. And here's where I think the metaphor gets really kind of interesting. Because the Monterey Bay Aquarium is connected to the ocean. And if those silly sardines were clever enough, and if they worked together, they could find a way out of that tank. And get out of that great big ocean filled with all kinds of exciting activity. Just as if we move counter to our culture, we can break free free from fear and boredom and loneliness and you name it. And experience this wonderful adventure of rolling back the kingdom of darkness and ushering in Jesus' kingdom of light and healing. This is why we were born. This is why he made us. Not to be sardines mindlessly swimming in one direction until something eats us but to link arms together with each other and then with other churches as we're doing this summer to serve in Jesus' name, swim counter to the culture, counter to the schemes of the devil, counter to fear, despair, loneliness, and pain. And when we do, Jesus turns misery into meaning, jaded hearts into joy, and despair into dreaming. As the prophet Isaiah says, he gives us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness, that we can be seeds of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, so that he may be glorified. Lord Jesus, thank you for the invitation. And Lord, thank you that when we serve in your name, you show up and you do amazing things. 
You could have done it on your own, Lord, but you want to turn the culture through us. Lord, thank you for that. Help us to respond in faith to your gracious invitation. In our homes, with our friends, in our church, or in your world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.